Before I invite uh, two of our members to come up and speak and share their stories with you, um, kind of wanted to set this up a little bit. Um, so we're talking to Pastor Dan, and he's on vacation this week before the whirlwind of the school year and all the programming begins, so he's taking one more weekend off. And we were talking about stuff, and I said, you know, we, we don't hear enough stories from people in our members, and there's a lot of neat things going on in our lives. And I don't know about you, but I get so moved and uplifted in my life when I hear someone else's story. And um, all that's been going on the last couple years. So we talked about and prayed about it and decided, hey, let's do a time of sharing, just little testimonial stuff. So one of our favorite Sundays of the year is when we do our God stories with our kids, you know? And so, hey, let's do that with some of our other kids, our grown-up kids, right? Right, Bonnie Joe, <laughs> Shannon, yeah. Um, but Dan also wanted me to share a little bit, uh, kind of set this up, just been what's been going on in my life. Um, so, as many of you know, I, I lead the worship team here and the programming back there and all the technical stuff that makes the live stream go on. But that's just like this part of my life. Um, I am actually uh, a high school dropout and um, got into selling like phone service, believe it or not, and then somehow ended up starting a dot-com. And my whole dot-com story is like I could go an hour on that. I uh, actually took the company public, actually made millions and millions of dollars that I never saw and lost it all. We went public in what, 2000, it's a great year to go public, 2008. If you don't remember what happened in the stock market that year, that's when WAMU collapsed and everything went under. So it's a very interesting time and through this whole period, I thought I was like, oh, I'm going to be a tech guy, I'm going to be a software guy, I'm going to make lots of money. I thought that's where it was at. And um, anyway, so I, I had my software company for six, 16 years. And um, uh, after that experience, um, I ended up going to work for some other big companies. I don't know if I should say who they are, but uh, they make Microsoft Windows. And they deliver packages to your door if you order from Amazon. Um, anyway, so on the tech side of the businesses, and I was, you know, from a career standpoint and job and stock options and all that kind of stuff, I was making more money than I ever thought I would make. And I hated it. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. For, for me, the last two years especially, the more we got into COVID and I got to know the people I worked with and the politics and all this stuff, I just hated it. I felt so empty every time I went to work. And um, the funny thing is I wake up in the morning, I don't know how you wake up in the morning, I wake up in the morning and I think of songs and I think of music and I, like, some people ask me, well, how long does it take you to write that song, write, write songs? When I said I, I went to Starbucks, literally I pull out a napkin and that song popped out. Like, all the verses, all the words, all the chords. I'm like, it's a gift. Someone gave it to me. Like, I, I didn't, what did I do to deserve it? I don't know. It literally was a gift. So if you know that you're given a gift of music and you try to put it way over there and go, I'm going to go make money, do the corporate thing, I, I was miserable. So um, I remember being in a thing at work and at the same time my dad was diagnosed with terminal cancer and and um, that whole diagnosis and how fast it happened just seemed really unfair and I'm just struggling with things. And um, this is during COVID, so I'm like, get up, go to 
go to Boxley's, which is my jazz club, and I sit there all day talking to people on this computer thing. And I just realized, you know what, I wonder what I have to do to like, not do this anymore. This just isn't worth it anymore. So I made this list and started figuring out how I could quit my job and do something really high paying, like teach piano lessons. So that's what I did. I'm like a piano teacher slash jazz musician. Slash I have five jobs now. At the end of the day, I, I'm busier than I ever was. I work longer than I ever worked. I make way less than I ever worked. I smile a lot more. I could never smile before. So along the way, um, so I quit my career. I, you know, I can't believe how much we walked away from. And I, I still feel guilty about it. Like, yeah, I should have stuck it out. If you could have stuck it out another year, could have stuck it out, I, I just couldn't. And then um, when, when my, I started losing my dad, left this really empty feeling. Because my, my dad was my hero many times over. And um, he was a burn victim, so he lost like, the use of his motor scales of his hands. He, he barely got out of that accident alive. He spent a year and a half in the hospital. This is in 1951. They didn't know a lot about burn treatment back then. And um, he was not saved at the time. He became Christian, went back to school, became a minister, and devoted his life to helping other people. And he's the most generous man I've ever met most loving, forgiving person I ever met. You know, other people used to criticize him when they have people come in that were like, you know, different shapes. My dad used to say, well, you gotta catch a fish before you clean it. It's one of his favorite sayings. Like, um, he had a copy of the Koran in his, uh, his study, and one of the members, deacons, came to him one time and asked him, like, why do you have that? He goes, well, you know, there's like a billion people on the planet that read this thing, I wanna know what they're thinking. You know, that's my dad. He just had this common sense approach to loving other people. And um, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, my brain just went there. I, I have a problem keeping a straight chain of thought, by the way. Uh, so then I remember one time my dad said, hey, you should read it. You got some friends that are Muslim. Don't you want to know how they think? I said, nope, not me. That's him. That's not me. I'm not programmed the same way. Anyways, so my dad, the last, the last year and a half, my dad uh, passed away. Um, my daughter got married and moved away, like a very long ways. Um, that left another hole. My son uh, he might be watching now. He's in Texas now, went to New Mexico, so my son left. We just have Daniel left, and he's hiding behind the cameras over there, probably embarrassed that I'm talking about him. I also had a heart problem. I had a uh, heart procedure, um, so... Uh, had something called SVT, and like I would do like strenuous things like screw in a light bulb once and my heart would start beating 240 beats per minute. Yes, that's fast. Um, I, lived, I lived with it for a long time and then finally decided, you know what, um, the older I get, the worse this could be. So we had a heart procedure, just a little nerve, nerve wracking. And in that, they discovered a spot in my liver, so then there was this concern over, uh-oh, what's the spot? They did the first test, it was inconclusive, second test, inconclusive. Then they're like, okay, lose weight, change your diet, come back in six months, and we'll see how you are. I got the clear last week, yay! So, that's on my liver. I celebrated 28 years of marriage to this lovely lady in the second row. Um, this is what I've learned the last two years. You know, like, life isn't easy. Um, and a lot of the stuff we get hit with isn't fair. 
fact, most of it's not fair. And it kind of doesn't matter. None of that really matters. There's only one thing that matters, is to really understand um, God's love for you. And he demonstrated his love not only by giving you your life, but all the people around you. It's not, it's not how much money you make. This is a quote from my dad. Um, he told me, hey, I'm glad you finally realized that it doesn't matter how much money you make, how high you rise in rank in the world. You do what you love, and you do it for the sake of loving someone else. There's nothing more beautiful, nothing more precious. And he went on to say, our, our treasures are our children. They are the reason that we live and that we love. That's my dad. Anyway, so the last two years, I learned that there are a lot of messed up people in the world. You notice that? And uh, a lot of them are rich. What are all messed up families that are rich? When we went through the whole passing of my dad, uh, so proud of how our family stayed together and communicated and shared and discussed everything. And I know so many families fall apart during that. And that's just so sad to me. Rich ones are totally messed up. But, you know, the poor, poor people don't get a get out of jail free card. They're, they're also messed up too. Right? It doesn't matter how much money you make. It's not about the money. Um, it is not about the money. So, how are you guys doing? Right? I want you to think about that as we share our stories. And what have you been going through? Um, what do you want? What does your heart desire? I'm the worst at this. My family asks me, what do you want for Christmas? I say nothing, and I really mean it. I don't want anything. I've learned this last two years to be thankful for every gift I've been given and for every person in my life. The only thing I want more of is more time to spend with more friends. And we don't know if we'll have tomorrow. We only know we'll have today. So... For me, I finally figured it out. I want my family to be happy. I want them to feel content and thankful for the blessings that they have. I don't want them to desire anything. Just be thankful. I want my friends to be happy and be thankful for the life they've been given, no matter how short, for their friends, no matter how flawed. Just to be thankful. All right. With that, we're going to invite up uh, Bonnie, Joe, and Shannon to come share with us. I feel like I should tell a joke in transition, but I don't have anything prepared. You're on stage. Let's have a seat. All right, grab my notes here. Oh. All right, uh, so we have Shannon Smith with us and Bonnie Jo Johnson. Yay, I'm gonna start with, um, start with some questions that Pastor Gant, Dan gave me to ask and then we'll get into some sharing. So first of all, let's, do with you, let's start with you, Bonnie Jo. Why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, when did you start 
attending Cascade Covenant Church, and what brought you here? What brought me here? Geography, actually. I lived in the neighborhood down the way over here. No, it's tricky. You've got to point with the other hand when you do that. You can do this, too, <laughs> but you have to swap your hand. I do? Yeah. Would you, would you swap? Like, yeah. Good. All right, so you lived over here. Yes, I did. Okay. And I actually knew uh, Ann Jenks. She was a member of Curves that I managed for a while, the, the uh, women's exercise place. I met lots and lots. In fact, that's where I met you. And uh, she, her husband was John Jenks, who was pastor here for a while. And yeah, and... Like I said, it was convenient, and when I felt the need for church, this is where I came, and then it stuck, and so I stayed. All right. Uh, so I'm supposed to ask you to help us to get to know you, okay? These are, these, are, these are the questions. Okay. Okay, so do you watch Netflix or live TV? Netflix. Netflix, okay. Would you rather see an in-person ball game or go to a theater? Theater performance. Theater the theater. The theater. Yeah. Uh, would you rather discuss history or current events? Oh, both. Both? Both. Oh, you like both. Okay. <laughs> I, do I really need to ask you your favorite color? Do we need to ask her your favorite color? Okay. I, well, ask me my favorite color. Orange. Oh, I, I told her earlier. Told I, I never wear him. orange. It's my favorite color. So. Well, my favorite shade of pink is fuchsia. Oh, How about that? There you go. Okay. Your favorite shade of pink. That's good. I don't know what the high school mascot is. Do you know what your high school mascot is? Do you remember that? Oh, heavens. I, I think it was an orcus whale. Ooh. Mariner High School out in Snohomish County. I think it was an orca. I do. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't either. All right. <laughs> Uh, are you a, do you prefer ice cream or pie, or are you a both? Ice cream. Ice cream, okay. What flavor ice cream? Well, vanilla, because you can do the most with it. I vanilla, too. Chocolate sauce, fruit I compote, caramel, nuts, there you, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah. All right. A book of the Bible you enjoy reading? You know, this is hysterical, but actually I enjoyed Hebrews because we, I, I actually led the, the study when we did Hebrews, and I learned so much. This is great. And it really made things clear in the hierarchy of things, and it just, I don't know, it brought it home. And to me, it was just everything about Christianity. This, this is it. So... I just went, wow. Okay, last question, and then we're going to go to Shannon. Uh, when and where did you meet Jesus and devote your life to him? I, I've always known him, I guess. I, I've always known there was God, always. Um, I'd have to say, though, in the last five or six years is when it became personal and a uh, large part to this place. All right, Shannon, your turn. Uh, so can you introduce yourself? And I guess you're going to take it from there because you've got something prepared you wanted to share. Well, I have the Reader's Digest version all written down. So <laughs> um, my name is Shannon McNeese-Smith. Um, 
I had a wonderful childhood. I, I had a mom and dad, Ann and Jim, and three brothers, Tom, David, and Larry. And I graduated from Lewis and Clark High School in Spokane. Go Tigers! <laughs> she remembers. Uh, and I enrolled in WSC, which is now WSU. And, but Dad got a job in San Francisco. And I would not miss the chance to go to San Francisco. So in September of 90, 1963, we moved to San Francisco. But in February of 1964, there was a fire. And I lost my mother and three brothers in the fire. And Dad was in the hospital for several months because he broke all of the bones in his feet when he jumped out of a window to try and find a ladder. That was Valentine's Day of 1964, and I, I was 18 years old, alone, angry, scared, and I didn't know what I was going to do, what had happened to me. I was just in confusion. I was mad at my mom for leaving me <laughs> and when I needed her the most, and I was mad at God because he'd taken everything away from me. So I did the only thing that I knew how to do was I ran away. I started going to clubs and dancing, uh, drinking. You can find almost anything in San Francisco or any big city if you look hard enough. And I then turned to drugs. And for the next four or five years, I just ran away and partied. I hadn't even had time to make friends since I'd moved away from Spokane. All my friends were gone away to college. I worked during the day, but at night I walked. I, when I wasn't partying and drinking and drugging, I walked all over the city. I walked through Golden Gate Park, down to the Embarcadero, watched the, the longshoremen loading and unloading ships, through Chinatown, everywhere. And I, I just didn't know what I was doing. I just walked. Well, God interrupted my life a little bit. He brought David into my life. And David was my live-in boyfriend. And that sort of lassoed me in a little bit. And so I wasn't out as much drinking and whatever. But at 23, I got pregnant. And I was still in this confusion. And so he said, well, we should probably get married. So we did. And 
I was just, uh, I was in confusion, is what I could say. I didn't cry for the first seven years after the fire. And when I did start crying, I cried at everything, the movies, ball games. I was in the middle of the grocery store one time and I saw my, my brother's favorite cereal and I broke down right in the middle of the aisle. But life goes on and Michael was born and about two months after that, my dad died of brain cancer. Again, right at Valentine's Day. Well, 17 years passed and I still hadn't grieved my family and I was breaking up at, at everything. I had to have control of everything in my life. And when I didn't have control, I would break down. And after 17 years, David got tired, I guess, and he divorced me. And I was sitting there just devastated. I couldn't think, I couldn't do anything except cry. And I was praying one afternoon, and God paid me a visit. All of a sudden, there was a wonderful column of bright white, warm light, and it just wrapped me in love. And it was so beautiful. It, it was amazing. And once you feel that love, that overpowering love, you never forget it, and you never want to get away from it. Well. I wanted to learn everything I could about God and the Bible, and that's when strange things start happening. Once God moves in, the evil one moves in too. And he brought Richard into my life, and Richard was what I thought I needed at that time. He knew the Bible front one was on backwards, he who had a master's degree in, in uh, psychology from a theological seminary. And I wanted to learn the Bible, and he knew it. And so we married. But God uses things for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And he used Richard to get me to counseling. Richard, I found out, was a controller. And he knew how my buttons to push to get me to do the things he wanted. And, but he, God used him to get me to a grief support group. And I started grieving, finally, for my family. And I spent six years in therapy, learning how to love, that God loved me, and how to grieve, and how to love myself again. I'll never have all the answers, 
But he wants the best for me. And he's creating in me a clean heart and a molding me into his spirit, slowly but surely. We have many ups and downs in our lives, some gentle, some very traumatic. But I want you to know that you are never alone. You may try to walk away from him, but he will never walk away from you. God was walking with me all the days I was roaming the streets of San Francisco. And after all of those years, no one hurt me in my walking and wandering. Well, I thought my life would be single for the rest of my life, but God had another story there, too. He put Paul in my life. That was 24 years ago, and we're growing in his love. He showered his blessings on us with love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Although he still has a way to go on my patience and self-control. <laughs> but we do continue in his peace. Thank you. Thanks, Shannon. Yes, give her a round of applause. Thanks for sharing. All right, Bonnie Jill. Follow that? Yes, you have to. Um, Sorry. Okay. Well, um, actually, can we trade mics? This one. Oh, yeah, okay. Trade mics. Trade, trade mics. That Sorry better? about that, John. Wow. Yes, that is better. <laughs> um, where do you want me to start? What? Well, um, the question that Pastor Dan gave us was um, what's been happening in your life right now that you'd like to share? And how have you seen God moving in your life recently? Well, the, the biggest thing that I've been dealing with, actually, for the last 10 years is uh, liver cancer. And uh, throughout my journey with that, uh, I, learned, I learned to appreciate God. And um, I, I came here and started doing the Bible studies and uh, it just, it, I got to know God and I realized that he was always there. I knew it, but it went from my, my uh, head to my heart and it made all the difference. And I continued to do the Bible studies. These, the ladies in, I mean, they just, the support, the love, the fellowship, the Christian fellowship, to, to help me grow in my faith was uh, invaluable, and I learned so much. Julie Breston, of course, was our fearless leader in those days, as she is now, uh, but I did uh, manage to make it to her seat for a couple of times. I got to lead a couple of Bible studies, and I got so much out of them. Earlier I mentioned Hebrews, and... Uh, it, it just, it was amazing. I, I learned so much. And then, in 2022, I've been dealing with cancer the entire year. 
uh, and now I have terminal liver cancer. And I was given a year to live uh, last, or in June, <laughs> beginning of June, and so it's September. <sighs> so yes, I play the time game. <laughs> but the thing is, one of the things I learned in Hebrews is there are things of the world and then there are things of God. And I'm really, really learning the difference. I'm learning what matters and what really doesn't matter. And I tell you what, nothing that really matters can you see. You can only feel it. <laughs> you can only feel it. I mean, you can see the results of it. You, you can, you know, see good things happening, but, but things in the end mean nothing. They really don't. And, uh, but what means so much is God's love and the blessings. I cannot tell you how many blessings I have. I have enough time to count my blessings. I have enough time to enjoy them, revel in them even. I have enough time to say all the things that need saying, you know, mend any bridges that might need mending. Um, I get to be the person I've always wanted to be because all bets are off now. It's like, okay, let's, Let's do this. And so this is the biggest adventure so far, is this path to home. And that's the way I think of it, is that, yeah, I'm going to get sick. Yeah, I'm going to die. But then I go home. I get to go home. I get to go and I know, I know that God is there. In my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. So I would say to anyone, count your blessings. Don't, don't stop. I mean, don't, what am I saying? Count your blessings. Enjoy. Enjoy everything that is little and everything that is great. Drink in those faces that mean everything to you. Wrap your arms around those people that you care about. And, and praise God for all the blessings that he's given me so I can smile. You know what? I am going to die a happy woman. How many people can say that? I actually real, realized that a few years ago before this, all this. And I thought, wow, if I died tomorrow, I'd die a happy woman. Well. It's still true. It's still Amen. true. Wow.
Wow. Pretty powerful stuff. Um, thank you, Bonnie Joe. Thank you, Shannon. I'm going to say a prayer for us, and then we're going to sing another song and send you on your way. Lord, we just thank you so much for this blessing, this time here, this fellowship with our family, with our friends. Thank you for the people that you've put into our, in our lives, the love that they give us. It's just a, a fraction of the love that you have for us. We just uh, pray your blessing upon Bonnie Joe as she's dealing with us this next year in this terminal diagnosis that her days are numbered, that uh, you'll help her heart be at peace and that give her the opportunity to just be happy and revel in your glory. And Lord, we just thank you for Shannon, Shannon and Paul. They've been such a blessing to me and to this family here. We thank you for her we thank you for everyone in this room and for our family that's watching online, for our family that's running in the marathon to help families on the other side of the world get clean water. All these things matter. We're just so thankful that you've given us all of these blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Instead of my favorite benediction, I'm going to do something a little longer. So, some uh, Second Thessalonians uh, to a person with a lisp, that's a hard word to say, isn't it? Uh, 5, 23 through 28. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. Amen. Go have a great week.